0: JazzGuitarLessons.net, improve your jazz guitar playing with a real feature, podcast number five. Blowing on static vamps or static chords, and uh, a discussion on why to play bebop music. So today, as per the general request, I'm going to talk about stuff. I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) Static vamps and chords. So that's the first topic for today. What what I think is... um, Often, people will feel uninspired where, when the music doesn't move the way they expect, or when uh, they have to improvise on something that is either just an open vamp, okay, you're on one or two chords for a long amount of time, or they will feel uninspired when there's a section of a tune that's, say, 8 or 16 bars that's only uh, one chord or one sound. Uh, what I think uh, sometimes I play this tune. I don't know if you you've heard it. Uh, it's called "In Your Own Sweet Way," right? And the Miles Davis version. There's a vamp at the end. It's often E flat minor seven or A flat sus, and a lot of people do that. But it's a recurring thing. We do it in between every chorus, even when you're improvising. So you're improvising on chords, like two chords per bar, you know, four, four, one, two, change, 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 change. And then you, you go into that empty void in that uh, empty space. It's like it feels empty. It feels like a void that you're playing. So how could you connect your previous part of improvisation to jump into an area that's so free and loose or vice versa? How could you play loose and then come back into playing changes seamlessly? Because that's a problem, right? People will tend to play a certain way on changes, and a certain way on static uh, chords, and feel uninspired by having just one one choice. A few ideas. You have to know the basic scale. If you're playing on uh, in your own sweet way, and it's an A-flat sus, you have to know To play inside the notes, you have to know what it is. Uh, the second idea is you have to know su- common substitutions, right? If you do this, could also work because a substitution is nothing more than a chromatic thing with harmony, right? If you know what scales you could substitute for that, or some, uh, you have some plan in mind as to what. Are in use. You have more than one option, and all of a sudden, it, it sounds more like if you're playing on a set of change. Uh, another suggestion is to add chromaticism. We discussed that discussed that in podcast number four, the previous podcast. Um, you can use your bebop scales. You can use side slipping. That's very popular. You know, you play, but you play that within your line. out by half step and back in etc you know you know gradually you realize there's more and more stuff you can play on one chord and in fact it's more fun to play on just one chord you learn to hear the same chords or the, that same sound that's that's playing right now for a long time and you start to play on extensions so you start to hear it at, as other chord tones uh, let's take a B flat7 just that chord. I remember I had a class with Charles Ellison, Charles Ellison, sorry. Um, He's a Montreal trumpet player. He's from uh, the US, but he was teaching where I was studying. A super nice guy, a super nice player. And he said, all right, Mark, um, I want you to blow on B flat seven with a rhythm section, but don't play that. Don't play that basic arpeggio. I don't want to hear that. So, (laughs) okay. but what should I do? He said, well, where are other important notes within that within that mind frame? He says, imagine it's a five chord, it's a dominant chord. What would be the two? I'm like, well, F minor seven is the two if B flat seven is the five. So blow on your B flat seven for I don't know, eight or sixteen bars and think only of F minor seven. He, he made made me do that in front of a class, right? So uh, I tried, and it sounded beautiful. Imagine you're here, and you're thinking, but your sound, what's in your mind, is this. So I'm playing on F minor seven. That's one option so then charles said uh, how about uh, you play on the flat seven i'm like what do you mean the flat seven we're in b flat seven right there's an a flat note right here De-no. what's the chord well let's say flat major seven so this is more hyper you're playing on extensions uh, he said, all right, improvise on this for a little while in front of the class again. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. So it starts to sound super nice and all the lines that you know in major now you can start to apply on a on a dominant chord right but it just sounds so different because you're playing on extensions all right and lastly one little trick that's another Charles thing <laughs> Charles Ellison uh, Bb7 play on the third what's the third it's D it's D half diminished but you still hear it like this Ready,
1: one, two, three, four.
0: So it's a really, uh, really lots of fun. And imagine if you took a minor seven chord or you took an. Suspended chord. If you took whatever chord that you're having problem with, that's on a static vamp, and you do that, you you try to find what other arpeggios lie in there, so you can double, triple, or even have ten times as much stuff as you you would like to play. It's only a matter of um, you're opening your perspectives a little bit, right? You play you playing on a B flat seven chord and all of seven, all of a sudden you. You have four or five different arpeggios and ways to think about it. Uh, so that's food for thoughts, right? And lastly, if you're playing on a static vamp, it's all about rhythms. Keep it groovy, leave some space and be in the moment. Uh, because there's less, there's no handles really to, to, to play the changes. You have to make the changes. So make sure your rhythms are right on. And of course, uh, obviously, try to connect with other musicians. If you're in the middle of a rhythm changes or in the middle of a giant step solo, of course, you have to think of the changes and you'll be stuck with your own thing. But if you're opening up and the band is playing just on a C minor 7 for you, all of a sudden, you are free to listen more to the drummer or to the bassist or to that, the piano player. And say, so, okay, well, what's happening there? May I maybe answer... To what's been played is this guy kind of mocking me when i'm doing my my things i'm playing a line and he's answering with a chord or is there a way that that drum fill i could fit a line in there or what what's happening there so static vaps are just a great place uh, to do that type of stuff now for a totally contrasting subject i said it at the beginning we'll talk about bebop why play bebop music? Why? why what is bebop anyways? Um, well, bebop is a, a style of music that could be considered as being the common practice period for jazz. If you think of Mozart and the classical music, bebop is like what, what it is for jazz. Uh, it's, it's like jazz for jazzmen. Uh, it came about in the late 40s after Second World War. And you can still feel the influence of the bebop today. Everything that developed, even in the blues and the rock and like fusion and all this, everything that came after had some sort of bebop spice in it. Often, if you put on a recording to someone that doesn't really know music and say, Hey, that sounds like jazz. It's because there's some bebop element in it. Of course, the, the idea behind it is to be playing tunes in small groups. There was a, Right after Second World War, there was a, um, a shortage of some materials and bands that were larger, like big bands of the 20s and 30s, uh, grew smaller. And the same thing for club owners, maybe didn't have enough money to pay groups that had like a large amount of musicians. So the classic uh, bebop lineup is bass, drums and piano, all acoustic instruments. Uh, and trumpet and alto saxophone. Of course, there's tenor saxophone, there's trombone, there's all there's guitar players. But that's really how it started. A few points you want to know that you have to know about bebop, and why why to play it. The heads or the melodies they already contain a lot of the jazz vocabulary. Um, I have a lot of students coming up and say, Oh, you know, I want to sound bebop. I want to sound like this. How could I do that? I say, well, learn bebop heads. And they answer, well, I want to solo like this. I want learn bebop heads. You have all the information. Imagine how much stuff you have in You know, you, you have a lot of beautiful rhythms. You have a lot of beautiful cliché lines, little turnarounds, chromatic stuff, like we discussed in the last podcast. You can increase your technique because often it's challenging rhythmically and it's challenging tempos, right? Uh, So it's great. Often, you know, the Omnibook, perhaps Uh, the Omnibook is the like an amalgamation of classic solos by Charlie Parker, alto sax player of the era. Um, And in the Omnibook, you have the melody to a lot of bebop tunes that he wrote, and the solo. And more often than not, you can learn just the melody of the tune and get plenty of information. You'll bang your head against the wall (laughs) by trying to figure out some fingerings and stuff like that. Um, Of course, in the bebop, the emphasis is more on what is being played, on the content of the notes, eighth notes, quarter notes, uh, what it is really rather than sound. That's why you can hear classic jazz bebop recordings that sound like really badly because they were recorded on on old technologies. But that's the purpose uh, of the thing. It's about uh, playing faster, playing louder. Uh, it's about virtuosity. Um, it's about re- phrasing, uh, rhythmic integrity. It's about developing your own sound on your own instrument, too. Uh, you don't get two sax players that sound alike, even though they play similar lines, that they play similar tunes. Uh, another key point in learning bebop is often the chord progressions will come back either from standards uh, or from pop tunes of the era. Uh, and we call this a counterfact. The contrafact is a bebop tune that uses the chord progression to a tune, a song that already exists. The classic example is um, "How High the Moon,"
1: right?
0: So that's a tune, and the way Charlie Parker played over it is, you know that that one probably. So. Um, What's it called again? It's called ornithology, right? So, how high the moon and ornithology are the same tune. So, it's a, a thing that really happens very often. So, if you know a bunch of standards already, you already know chord progressions, all you have to learn is the melody. I really enjoy playing bebop, and it's not necessarily the kind of stuff you play on a smooth jazz cocktail gig. It's like jazz for jazzmen to see how much you can go. If you think you're a jazz player and you're confronted, by playing with hardcore bebop guys for like three sets, you'll see, you know, if you pass the test. Uh, Another thing about bebop is that they played ballads slower. They played faster and slower, nothing in the middle. A lot of uh, blues uh, influence tune, a lot of rhythm changes. I got rhythm. Uh, Like Oleo is an example of that. It's on the website also. There's a lot of um, uh, ballads that are played at ridiculously slow tempos. So it's all about extremes. Uh, there's also a blues, a type of blues that was developed at the, in that era by uh, Parker and the gang, uh, found in Blues for Alice. It's like a blues that's major. With all two five ones like this. So it sounds like a traditional blues, but the first chord is major. It's a lot of beautiful things that you can play on there. If you're not familiar with this, you may... may, uh, Someone will put you on the spot someday and you say, oh my god, it's not like a blues. Well it is a blues, but with more changes. Of course, that's another aspect of bebop, like chords lasted uh, one bar or two beats and it was fast. So you don't have time to think about it, you have to create beautiful lines within there. Um, And lastly, if you find this type of stuff too old school, everything we discussed so far uh, about learning it and what it, it can get to you is worth doing it. Even if you don't play bebop, you can just study bebop to study like you would study Mozart piano sonatas if you're a classical pianist. Not because all you want to do is play classical, because it's a step you have to go through. And you will learn so much material by studying bebop that will be worth it. And if you find it too old school still, you have to listen to Roy Haynes. He still plays that same music, same tunes and uh, 21st century on this album. It's called uh, Birds of a Feather. And it's great, he plays Charlie Parker tunes, but it sounds so modern and fresh. Um, so I'll let, you, uh, I'll let you think about this. If you have any questions, please uh, feel free to contact me. And uh, I'd like to to hear you play bebop soon. Thanks for listening. JazzGuitarLessons.net. Improve your jazz guitar playing with a real teacher.